Let's open our Bibles today, please, to the book of Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. And if you didn't bring your Bible, we've uh, got a new place for the Bibles there underneath the chair in front of you there, the little red Bible. And if you see one and you need one, that's somewhere near page 740. I'd like to talk to you this morning about nothing being impossible with God. You know, uh, people, I know lots of people facing impossible situations. Some of them are of their own making. Some of them have been made for them by others. But uh, God is God, and uh, there's nothing impossible with him. He created the world. He made you. Uh, When he speaks, things happen. And uh, we find a great illustration of it here in uh, Acts chapter 12. Now about the time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Tertullian said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And that's the way it's been down through history. Uh, whenever people have uh, had to surrender their life or what they believed, it seemed like the church just had another growth spurt. It's interesting to me, as someone as significant as James only has this one little verse here attributed to him, to his death. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter. Um, He went after the big prize... And that was Peter. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread, that's the uh, Passover. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him and intending to bring him before the people after Passover. He didn't want to do anything during Passover time because it was too inflammatory, too many people, uh, too much potential for rioting. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. I've circled this verse and underlined it in my Bible because, uh, because uh, you know, whenever we read the book of Acts, what we want to do is we want to take the lessons that they learned and we want to apply them to our church. And uh, we want to try to live as close as we can to the principles that, uh, that were going on right here in the book of Acts. And so when they got in trouble, they called a church prayer meeting. And uh, they constantly prayed for, for Peter's release. When Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and light shone in the prison and struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And the chains fell off of his hands. This is every prisoner's dream, isn't it? Right here. Then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals, and so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment, don't forget to put something on, we're headed outside. And he went out and followed him and and did not know that what he was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and second guard post, they came to the iron gate uh, that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And Peter came to himself. He said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. 
So when they considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. This wasn't just a few people coming to the prayer meeting. This was a lot of people. Uh, Peter was a, a big character in the Bible. Uh, he was very well known. And uh, they were determined not to let him go down. And uh, they gathered together praying. And Peter knocked at the door of the gate. And a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate. I always smile when I read this. Peter's trying to get away from the law. He finally arrived. They won't open the door. They're so excited. And she ran and announced to Peter, they stood before the gate, but they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting, no, it's really. Um, and they said, listen, it's got to be his angel. They didn't have a lot of faith. Now, Peter continued knocking. He said, all the time he's out there knocking. And when they opened the door, he saw them and was astonished, but motioned to them with his hand to keep silent and declared to him how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, go tell these people to James, uh, to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. You know, nothing is impossible with God. We've already, when you read the Bible, you find that statement uh, said in that way and in other ways, many different, many different ways. Uh, the story of the book of Acts is the story of progress and persecution. They always go together. Uh, there's, uh, there's the church, I think, always prog progresses, uh, but there's always persecution attached to it. It really is. And, uh, and it's so exciting whenever we open the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2 and we saw the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we have to give all the progress, the, the credit to the Holy Spirit, right? Because who are we? Uh, you know, way back in the book of Psalms, chapter 20, verse 7, the Bible says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. It's God who gives the victory. And so in the first part of the book of Acts, it was the power of the Holy Spirit. The church initially, as you remember, received a good reception. It was considered another sect of, of um, Judaism. Uh, these people called the church the people of the way. They were still worshiping at the temple. They were still going to the synagogues. They were still using the Old Testament. And, the, and actually what they were doing is they were becoming experts in the Bible. Because when you accept Jesus as your Savior, there is a hunger and thirst in your heart for the Bible, to know more about God, to know more about what God wanted them. And they, they became an expert in the Bible. And so, uh, and so this Christianity was viewed... Uh, like it was just another back-to-the-Bible movement. How many people here have ever heard on the radio, back-to-the-Bible? In every generation, there's always a back-to-the-Bible. Uh, people have a wonderful way of drifting away from the Bible, but people come back. And, you know, they just viewed Christianity as another sect of Judaism, and they said it's okay, but after a while they finally realized it's not okay. These people are worshiping a false god. Actually, they're worshiping three gods. They're worshiping, they said, God the Father, that's one god. God the Son, that's two gods. God the Holy Spirit, that's three gods. These people are heretics. They are heretics. And so uh, in our world today, we have lots of different sects of Christianity, don't we? We have Methodism, and we have uh, John Wesley helped us get that. We have Presbyterianism, 
John Calvin helped in there. We have Lutheranism right now. I'm reading the life story of Martin Luther. What a courageous guy he was. We have Episcopalianism. We have Baptistism. We have all kind of isms, don't we? And, and we kind of say, listen, they're all uh, in, in some ways similar and uh, in lots of ways different. Uh, and so for, at the beginning of the church, they just looked at this as uh, it wasn't a threat to them, but after a while it became a threat. And, uh, and right here in, in Acts chapter 12, there was another way of the power of the unholy spirit. You know, when the power of the Holy Spirit is doing his work, when the person of the Holy Spirit is doing his work, uh, you can be sure the unholy spirit will arise, and he arises this time in the life of Herod. It's interesting, as you read the Bible, you see that evil, evil goes down through generations. You know, when someone is born in a dysfunctional family, uh, chances are they'll be dysfunctional, and chances are their kids will be dysfunctional with their kids, and it kind of travels down. Righteousness travels down that way, too. Uh, Herod, uh, boy, you talk, he was more than dysfunctional. Uh, this man that we're talking about this morning in Acts chapter 12. His sister was Herodias, and remember, she was responsible for killing John the Baptist. His grandfather was Herod the Great, and you, you know what he did. He put out the decree that all the babies in Bethlehem should be killed because he was afraid that of the king of the Jews. And so he had uh, evilness was in his family tree, and, and he was keeping uh, this evilness very, very much alive. Here we find not the first Christian martyr, but the first apostle martyr. You know, whenever you think of the 12 apostles, uh, I, I think sometimes people think, well, you know, they enjoy a unique divine protection. Uh, but it's interesting, if you've ever read Fox's book of martyrs, uh, you'll find that uh, it is believed that all of the apostles died uh, as a martyr except one. And that was John. And he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, and uh, they got rid of him. But here we find uh, before us in Acts chapter 12, the first apostle, he was a martyr. Uh, James and John, you've heard, you've heard uh, of them. Sons of Zebedee, sons of thunder. Uh, they were, James was one of the inner circle of Jesus. Remember, there were three, Peter, James, and John. Jesus went up unto the Mount of Transfiguration. He took with him Peter, James, and John. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He took Peter, James, and John. This, is, this person was as close to Jesus as anybody could ever get. And here in Acts chapter 12, the Bible says, Herod killed him. He killed him. Uh, you know, James and John were very interesting. There's a story in Mark chapter 10, verse 37. They went to Jesus one time and they said, listen, I want you, uh, we, we'd like to make a request. Uh, my brother and I want to sit on either side of you in glory. Would it be all right? I guess they thought they were the most important guys around. You know, they could visualize themselves. Here's Jesus and here's James and here's John. Uh, and so they thought that would be a good deal. And Jesus said, he said this, can you drink the cup? that I'm going to drink of, and can you be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized? You know what they said? We can. You know what he said? You will. And it was the cup of suffering and death. And here we find the fulfillment of it right here. James was slain with the edge of the sword. Uh, 
they did uh, suffer and die. The cup of suffering and death. Well, John, as I said, was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, and we enjoy uh, reading the book of Revelation. Someone told me the other day, I hate the book of Revelation. You know, that was the first book of the Bible that I wanted to study. I wanted to know the end of the story. You know, you never have to be afraid of the book of Revelation. There's some fearful things, but if you know the Lord, you don't have to be afraid. Uh, Because the fearful things in there happen on those who are against God. And listen, we're on God's side, aren't we? And so therefore, as you've heard many times, we're on the winning side. Well, uh, James here, uh, he's in prison. Uh, He's killed by Herod. Uh, The Christian historian Eusebius preserved a tradition that the guard who was watching over him was so impressed with his witness that he also became a follower of Jesus and was beheaded with James. Um, Well, Herod uh, saw that whenever he killed James, this boosted his poll numbers. And so he decided, you know, I'm going to catch another big fish if I could. And he started to patronize, of course, the Jews. And Peter was arrested. Uh, The guards, uh, there were many of them here, as we mentioned. Uh, But the interesting thing about it is Peter uh, had previously broken out of jail before. And he was already known as the jailbreaking apostle. And so this time they were, they were for sure that they didn't want him to break out of jail and they put extra guards on, four squads. And uh, they said, listen, he's not going to break out again. And so the church calls a prayer meeting. They didn't uh, yield to despair, they yielded to God. And you know, this is the important thing right here. There are plenty of things in life you can despair about, right? Some of you are despairing even this morning. And that's nothing to feel ashamed about because life is a pretty despairing place. And if you're not despaired, you will be uh, sometime soon in the future. And so so I don't want you to yield to despair. I want you to yield to God. And this is what the church did. They didn't throw up their hands and say, listen, God is dead. They said, listen, we're going to go to prayer. Jeremiah, we learned in the Old Testament, taught us this. Jeremiah 33.3. Let's read it. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call upon me, he said, and I will answer you. Um, This is something that you and I need, right? Uh, We need to call upon the Lord daily, regularly, incessantly. Call upon me. He says, listen, I'll answer you. And I'll show you what you need to do. He may not change your situation, but he'll show you what you need to know. And that's important. Because, you know, uh, life dishes out all sorts of bad things. And I'll tell you what, the church is certainly not exempt from any of that, is it? it? It's not exempt from any of it. Uh, James 5.16 is a great verse about this. Uh, Let's, let's read this. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Do you see that last line? Do you believe that? I do. Uh, every time I read that, I read it this way. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous mother avails much. I've said it so long, I'm just not going to quit now. My, Lord, my mother told me one time, she says, Johnny, God listens to me when I talk to him. 
I said, okay, Ma, okay. Okay. And he did. He did. And that's what the Bible says, right? It's, it's so neat. When you, when you actually read it and apply it in your life. Constant prayer. I understand that that word is a medical term, and it means stretching of a muscle to its limits. That's what the church did when they prayed. Now, I want you to think about this. Stretching a muscle to its limits. That's what the church did. They just didn't come together and say, hey, listen, we're having a prayer meeting. Fifteen minutes, we're out of here. We're going to the Dairy Queen, social center of Finleyville. They stretch their prayer muscles to the limits. When's the last time you did that? Well, in the meantime, the church is all upset. They're in the church. They're praying their brains out, and Peter's sleeping. He's on death row. Psalm 127, verse 2 is a great verse. Let's read this. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Uh, boy, it's great to sleep, isn't it? Wow. It's, uh, it's just a blessing to be able to sleep. And the Bible says here that God will give you that sleep. And boy, he did Peter. This could be the last night of Peter's life. He's just sleeping like a baby. In the jail, the church is all upset. They're probably in tears. They're agonizing with God. They're stretching their, their muscles to prayer muscles to the limits. He was on death row. There were no lawyers working for a stay of execution. And uh, later in his life, he wrote this in 1 Peter 5, 7. Let's read it. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Boy, that is so good. Life is filled with cares. Disappointments, worries, burdens, discontentness. Uh, Peter said, listen, you just cast it all on the Lord. First of all, because he cares about you. Uh, just cast it on him. He wants you to do that. Well, Peter here is in jail and he's, uh, he's pretty comfortable, I think, because he has eternal life. And you know when you have eternal life, you don't have to worry about the guillotine or or the sword, or death. Uh, you just don't have to worry about those things. In fact, uh, some people are kind of looking forward to it. Now, the Apostle Paul says, I don't know what's, what's, uh, what's the best or the worst, to, to depart and be with Christ, which is better, or to stay with you. He said, I'm torn between the two. And I think that happens to people in this life. Uh, they get a, a homesickness, or heaven, and uh, they, they want to go. Uh, Paul said in Philippians 4, 6 this. Let's read it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Uh, worry is a, is a big reality, isn't it? Peter didn't seem to be worrying right now. He was just laying there. Uh, accepting whatever came his way. And uh, then there was an angel that came, and he had uh, encountered this angel before back in Acts chapter 5 when he had the last prison break, break out. Hebrews 1.14, let's read it. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister 
for those who will inherit salvation. You know, I believe in angels. I really do. I sense them everywhere. I pray for them to come and assist me and to guard me and to guide me. Um, the, the Bible says that's what they're for right here. Uh, they're to minister to you and to me, the heirs of salvation. This angel came to him and uh, his chains fell off. And uh, the angel said, listen, we're going to get out of here and just uh, follow me. Look at verse number 10. When they were past the first and second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. Do you see those words, its own accord there? That's the Greek word automatos, from which we get the English word automatically. I love automatic doors, don't you? I, I'm, I love them. I just love to go to a store and that door opens right in front of you. I say, oh, it's so cool. And then you go, I wish that the church could have that. Maybe some of you would like to buy them for us somehow. <laughs> And, you know, I, that would be, I'd be so thrilled to come to this church and have those doors open just like that. Uh, but that's exactly what happened here. Before those things were invented, uh, God sent his angel to automatically, those doors just automatically opened up, just like that. Uh, the, and uh, the guards were blinded, I think. They're just standing by. They don't know what's going on. I like to read the story of Corrie ten Boone. Remember, she was imprisoned in Germany uh, uh, under Hitler. And uh, she tells the story of uh, whenever she was trying to smuggle the Bible into the, into the prison, into the, the place where they were incarcerated, and how she, she knew that she couldn't get passed by the guards. And she prayed that God would uh, somehow make her invisible, And as the story goes, she came uh, and she was in line and she walked right through the line as though the guard never saw her. Um, that's probably what happened here. These guards were guarding real carefully and they didn't know what was going on. Uh, he was free. His chains fell off. He broke out of prison. The church's reaction, uh, they were surprised. Uh, Rhoda was uh, excited to hear Peter's voice. Uh, and they said, well, maybe this is his angel. You know, they, and back in that day and in this day, people have all sorts of strange ideas about angels. I've heard many people say, you know, well, uh, this person's died. I guess he'll be an angel now. And they, they kind of believe things like that, too. They believed also that each person had a guardian angel. Maybe this was Peter's guardian angel that was coming to say that he was dead. Um, and... And so they, they were just surprised with this whole thing that their, that their prayers were answered. And, I, and I've tried to really grapple with this and figure out what's going on here because, because it looked to me like there was not a lot of faith here. Like they were surprised that actually God answered their prayer. Have you ever been surprised when God answered your prayer? I have. It's like, you know, you just prayed and prayed and you say, I know God can't do that. And then all of a sudden, wham, it's like, holy cow. Boy, that's a shocker. That's what happened here. But the Bible does say if you have faith as a grain of what? Mustard seed. Well, they probably had that much that night as they prayed. Their faith wasn't very strong. 
Peter uh, keeps knocking, and uh, and uh, they he was outside. F.F. Uh, F. Bruce, you may have heard that name. Uh, he is a, a, a theologian, uh, since passed away, prolific author. He tells a story about uh, a man named Sandar Singh, a Tibetan Christian who was uh, likewise freed miraculously from prison for his preaching of the gospel. He was thrown into a deep well and covered. a cover was put on to secure the top. It was locked. He's going to be left in this well until he died, and he could see the bones and rotting corpses of those who had already perished in there with him. On the third night of his imprisonment, he heard someone unlocking the cover of the well and removing it. A voice told him to take hold of the rope that was being lowered. Sandar was grateful that the rope had a loop that he could put his foot in because he had injured his arm in the fall down the well. He was raised up, and the cover was replaced and locked. And when he looked to thank the rescuer, he couldn't find anyone. When morning came, he went to the same place. He was arrested, and he started preaching again. News of the preaching came to the official who had, been, who had arrested him, and Sandar was brought before him again. When the official said, said someone must have gotten the key and released him, they searched for the key, and they found it on the official's belt. God, F.F. Bruce says God's still writing the book of, of Acts. I think he is, don't you? Uh, God's still performing miracles in our world today. God's still releasing people. Uh, Herod, uh, boy, there's a whole story about Herod here. And um, Herod, just nuts, at the end of this chapter, went and he was presenting himself to the people. And Josephus, the Jewish historian, said that he was dressed in a garment made of silver, if you could believe this. And the sun uh, reflected off of, of Herod, and the people began to look at him as though he were God. And the Bible says that he was struck down dead by God. Well, Herod uh, lost his throne, uh, and uh, Peter got his freedom. And you know what happened through this all? The, all this excitement is taking place. If you know, when you're a Christian, excitement takes place. You know that? Uh, if you want to have an unexciting life, don't follow the Lord. If you want to have an exciting life, just get in line. And uh, what's happening here, all this stuff is going on. All this good stuff and bad stuff, all at the same time. And after this, I want you to notice finally in verse number 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. Uh, the church marched on. Peter's chains fell off. He was released from prison. Now, if God can do that, you know what he can do for you? He can release you from the prison that you are in. He can release the chains that bind you. And there are people all over that I know of who are bound by evilness, addiction, uh, bad situations, relationships. Uh, if, if these doors could open automatically and these chains could fall off, that's a picture of what Jesus can do for you and me. And some of you in this auditorium this morning are living proof. You one time lived in a prison. 
You one time were chained to this and that and this, and now you're not and you're free. It's great to be free, isn't it? There's nothing like freedom. And I want to invite you this morning uh, to call upon me, as the Lord said, and he will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You know, you try all kind of tricks to get out of prison, I'll tell you, and you can't get out. Uh, Jesus can get you out real quick, you know that? But you have to give your life to him. You have to come to him and embrace him. To as many as received him, to them gave he the authority to become the children of God. You have to join the family of God to start with. And then you have to surrender your life and follow him. And as you follow him, I'll tell you what, the doors start opening for you. Uh, and, uh, and you begin to enjoy freedom after freedom after freedom. And it sure is great to be free. Because with God, nothing is impossible. Let's say that. With God, nothing is impossible. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, we're preparing for baptism now, and I'd like to uh, ask those in our congregation to just look into your heart. What kind of prison are you in today? Uh, I'm sure there are probably some people in our church, and you're not in prison. Uh, you look back and you broke out a long time ago. And uh, when you look in retrospect in your life, you have some chains lying here and chains over here, and, and there are chains all over the place. Um, that's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. But there's some of you who have never broke out of prison. Some of you are in jail. You're in jail and the devil is a doorkeeper. I'll tell you what, Jesus is able to deliver you. Come to him right now in your heart. Cast yourself upon uh, the forgiveness and the mercy of God. And uh, turn your life over to him. Invite him into your heart. And I'll tell you what, the doors will start opening for you. They really will. And there's nothing as good as being free. Dear Lord, as we have our invitation today, I pray that you'll minister to us, move among us today. As we, uh, as we come to sing our invitational song, I pray that you will uh, just encourage us as a church. For those in our church that are in prison, I pray that they can be free. They have these chains, Lord. They need to be broken. We rely upon you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together as we sing, and as we stand to sing today, if you'd like to come and pray here at the altar this morning about anything going on in your life or the life of a friend, just whatever it is, just feel free to come as we sing together. <laughs>